This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast. Welcome into the Bartholomew Town Podcast. I'm Bill Bartholomew. Today we welcome in management scholar Dr. Anna Maria Pareto of the University of Ottawa, who is in Rhode Island as part of the University of Rhode Island's Honors Colloquium, Not Business as Usual, Business for the Common Good. Dr. Pareto will discuss community and rethinking business for the common good at the University of Rhode Island this evening, October 31st, a lecture that will be available on demand after the fact. Dr. Pareto's work focuses on three interconnected areas, alternative organizations and solidarity economies, indigenous economies and decolonization, and alternative futures like social movements, degrowth, post-growth movements, and beyond. Okay, my name is Ana Maria Pareto. I'm very excited to be here. I celebrated a 100 years anniversary of the business college and and the 60-year anniversary of the URI program. Um, I'm from Peru. I am a professor in the the University of Ottawa. Um, I have been for many years studying communities uh, and looking at communities as a agents, not only as a context or, or a place that people can do business or network or, or are beneficiaries, but a community is really doing their own uh, development, their own way, especially indigenous communities. So this is, uh, I, I think to me, uh, this is very important. I published an article in 2006 in the top journal of, this, of the management and was quite quiet and now people start taking time and looking at communities and studies on communities and management organizations start growing. So I think this is what is important. And now with all the crisis that we are facing, I think we need to uh, move away from this neoliberal idea that has pushed us toward this individualistic profit-driven uh, path that emphasize personal gain. And we need to think about what we want to do, uh, the challenges we face as a, as, a, as, a, as a global community and where we start. And I would say, let's look at communities. Uh, let's celebrate, recognize, and I think there is where things can happen and positive things can happen. And they are happening. I completely agree. It's a term that I call runaway capitalism. And I think we're there right now where we're moving towards almost feudalism, where, as you said, the individual is far, is weighed far more heavily than the community. And your work has been focused on a number of areas, as I mentioned in the open, but you're here today in Rhode Island to discuss indigenous community-based organizing. And that's such an important arena to talk about because when we look for community organization, indigenous communities in the global north and global south can offer us a lot of insight into models that are effective and do exactly what you talked about, which is weigh the value of community as an asset over that of including over individual gain. So I guess talk about your work in that specific area and how it can inform the world that we're living in right now. I think we, uh, my talk actually is about community in general, uh, community-based enterprises, but certainly my work has been very inspired by Quechua, Aymara, and West Coast, Canadian West Coast communities. And I really believe that management schools and management theory can learn a lot from 
And we all can learn a lot from traditional ecological knowledge for systems. I think that we we are in a crucial moment with all these multiple crises. And I think we need to look at ourselves. There is a moment for a shift. And I think indigenous communities are leading the way in so many different ways. I have seen different models of revitalization that respect uh, the, the environment, respect keep their culture, preserve the environment. And so I think we are in that moment that we need to really, really look into. Uh, there is no more about saying indigenous don't have economies. I have heard in the in the halls all the time in the media, you know, with all these issues that are happening in Canada, United States, Australia, reconciliation and all that. We need to teach them to be entrepreneurs. I think that's the wrong way because now, we need to recognize that they have economies and they were entrepreneurs, but they were different. They do it differently. And I think that's what we need to learn from. What is the difference? The difference is not about individuals. It's about collective. It's about nation building. It's about commons. It's about common good. And so it is about long-term. It's about responsibility for the next generations. All those things that we are now talking about sustainability, we can learn so much from that. One of the things I have been doing lately, because I receive, of course, now reconciliation in many places, there is interest in hiring indigenous scholars, indigenous students. And one of the things that I, I found and I hear all the time is, okay, I'll go to the business school, but then what? Uh, I how I weave my traditional knowledge, my knowledge into management uh, systems, into management uh, education, into management theories, and so uh, sometimes we just go into just having indigenous person, and that's it, and you know separating the culture from let's make business as usual. So one of the things we have been doing is something I call the Academy of Indigenous management research in organizations. So this, this academy have brought together emerging scholars with senior scholars to encourage the young generation to, uh, to bring their in- traditional knowledges into management, because I think we will be all rich if we do that. So that's one of the things we are doing. And so, but tonight I will be talking about, and I, about communities and community-based enterprises and communities as agents. And of course, uh, the, the, the inspiration of indigenous is there. But the big question I think for me is, can neoliberalism can help us for the common good? Because that's the theme of the conference, right? The common good, what a great team, uh, but can the values of neoliberalism can help us to achieve common good? Yeah. Well, they certainly seem, especially in this moment, as you mentioned, so many crises that are both of a scientific level, both of a human interaction level. Um, we see that there may be a significant conflict between neoliberalism, neoliberalism and the common good. And that's just sort of a reality that is difficult to face. You know, I think of the the media and of course, I'm a member of the media myself, but by and large, you know, we are, uh, it, it is controlled by the business class. It is controlled by neoliberal institutions. During the workers' 
um, I guess you would call it the Industrial Revolution or the sort of the rise of unions in the United States, there was a very active uh, labor press, newspapers that were written from the perspective and for those in the labor unions. And it really played a vital role in shaping the dynamic of collectivism, in some cases anarcho-syndicalism, and different ways of organizing. Today, by and large, if you're not a neoliberal institution, you're kind of some you're some sort of alternative media. And it's almost like we have gotten to a point in society where anything that is outside of the way that we currently do business is instantly recognized as well, maybe that's a good idea, but it would never happen. Uh, you're just a dreamer. And, you know, it's it's good for the coffee shop, but not for reality. But your work is essentially intended to say, well, wait a second, we actually can implement these ideas and rethink of community as an asset and business and commerce and entrepreneurial endeavors as serving the community as a whole. Yes, I think you are absolutely right. Uh, one part of my work has been making the, vis- the invisible visible. That has been my goal, because those things have existed. It's not that we invented. And as you are absolutely right, the media play a big role. And, and, and you know, we see the million-dollar transaction. We don't see what is happening. These spaces, I call the spaces for hope. We don't see those spaces. And, and the media portray the global south and everything, like, you know, it's a disaster, nothing happens. Lots of things and good things happen. Spaces of hope, and and I think this is very interesting what you are saying because even in the business schools we don't teach for years. I teach. Do you know about co-ops? No, you know, like it's just we are not doing the work in that way. So we remain invisible. So that's what is now happening, and hopefully. Now that we are making it with other colleagues too visible, these alternative organizations, we can kind of bring the imagination, the popular imagination that there is other possibilities. Now, you are absolutely right. For years, people say it's a little thing. It's in the global south. Well, my studies, I started in the global south with the Quechua's and Maras and so on. But it's happening everywhere. Because the problems of neoliberalism, the problems of welfare state decreasing. And, and so it's happening everywhere. You see in Europe, people with PAPs saving the PAP for the, for the people saving the environment, coming together, energy co-ops, because people active, citizens are acting and doing things in those spaces I call home. So, so I think we need to bring it more and say, this is possible. It's happening. It's not just a utopian idea or little thing. In fact, there are macro models, regional models. I have gone to Japan. I have seen in, in Italy. I have seen in Spain. Well, there are regional models of this. So we are at, you know, at the moment that we have to make this visible. And I think it's possible. Uh, we have been for years all saying all the wonderful thing our economic globalization, neoliberalism will save us. Well, it's not happening. And now we face problems in our communities, climate change, COVID hopefully taught us something that we need community, that we depend on each other. 
So I think we need to go back to the meaning of what is the economy for and what really is the meaning of economy. Very well said. We have a very simple view here in the United States that, again, it's driven by media, it's driven by institutions of power, which is reflected in a lot of the the national politics of the moment right now. And you'll hear people say, oh, you know, the economy's doing terrible. It's Joe Biden's fault. Uh, it was so much better when Donald Trump was president and you know, whatever. They'll, th- th- it becomes a binary discussion of uh, essentially a Democrat versus Republican political party conversation. Very, almost never, but only on rare occasion does anyone actually zoom out to ask the question, is the system as a whole broken? Was it ever functioning in a way that served the greater good? And... Should we be looking way beyond the scope of almost the cartoonish politics of the United States of this sort of artificial left versus right dynamic and start to reimagine the U.S., the global north, the world as a whole in a brand new way? And I ask you that. Is there any path forward that is sustainable in our current model, the neoliberal model that we currently live in, in by and large, in the global north, in in the west, uh, in the glo- on the globe as a whole, is is this system broken to a point where there's no saving it, and we have to start having that discussion outside of the confines of what I guess you would call the sort of standard political ideological spectrum. Yeah, I I, I totally agree with what you're saying. Uh, we need to reimagine. Uh, I think it's like we are in a Titanic. And we are discussing different things, but you know, the data is there. Climate change is reality. We cannot keep producing and, and, and consuming in the way that we have it do. We just can't, right? So, so the reality is there. That means we have to adjust all our ways of doing things, the way our political and, and social system, economic system to the new realities. If not, I think we are really in trouble. Uh, there will continue, but we as a civilization will might disappear. And the data is there. So, so we are a moment that we really have to rethink about growth, for example. We have been sacrificing everything. Everything was, growth was something like a God, you know? Everything is about growth. We need to keep growing, but really how we are going to keep growing in a finite planet. And so we need to think about other ways, uh, as some people say, other ways of flourishing, other ways that we imagine what is a good life. Uh, people are not happy. People have, can have even a lot of money are not happy. We have lots of problems. So I think we have to, to rethink about this is the moment, and I think there are many scholars that now we are thinking about, you know, how we redesign our values. I think in the end, it's about values. It's about, you know, we are dependent of each other. Global South, Global North countries, we all dependent. And so where we need to act, and I believe that the local level have a lot to offer, of course, there is the, the national and macro levels, but we need to, to, to rethink the way we have been looking at, right? 
what it means, uh, what is the economy for, uh, what it means a good life. I think we need to think about how we can flourish within our finite planet and limited resources. Do you sense that this starts at the very local community level, the neighborhood level, and expands outward to the globe as a whole over time? Or is this something that needs to be approached more of a top-down model where pockets of people around the U.S., around the globe, start to organize and make it so it becomes a political reality that there has to be a shift of sorts, if you will? Well... I think the top-down never works, right? Uh, I, there is something I call the principle of subsidiarity. People know in their communities uh, what is going on, and people know about. They live there. They they know what are the realities, the ecological damages, and so on. So top-down never works. I, I think we need to have a, a conversation. I I am between the bottom and the top-down. We need bottom up. And and I think that's that's the way to go. Uh, you know, there are different things that different experimentation. There is a lot of experimentation going on at local level. You know, with different organizations, called co-ops, called collectives, called repair shops, whatever. But there's a lot of 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 experimentation that speaks of citizenship, that speaks of of common good, that speaks about you know frugality. They speak about there is enough. There is that. There is another way that we can value what is good life, and so there is a lot of experimentation. And I would love, you know, the politicians to listen to that and and to understand it and to and to actually support it and make it flourish. Uh, I think the top down never works. Never ever have worked. My last question for you on this busy day for you, and we certainly are lucky to have you in Rhode Island today, and the University of Rhode Island is very fortunate to have you as part of the Honors Colloquium, no doubt about that. And it's it's very nice to know that um, my alma mater is engaged in this kind of work because, look, the reality is it can be an uncomfortable conversation. So I'll ask you this from your standpoint of this is an uncomfortable conversation, even for people who it would benefit enormously and it would benefit future generations enormously to make these kinds of changes because of the conditioning that has occurred from institutions of power, by institutions of power. It's very difficult for a lot of people to imagine anything other than the alarm goes off, you go to work, and you're you're essentially serving from a bottom-up um you know, you're you're a you're a block in a larger puzzle that doesn't benefit the many. It certainly benefits a very narrow amount of people at the end of the day. So, what's this? What's your advice to anybody out there who hears this right now? Anybody who follows your work, reads your work, is a student. Anybody who hears the colloquium presentation tonight, where do you start? How do you start this conversation? with the average person who's more interested in football and has kids to take to soccer practice and isn't really a political philosopher, where do you start? I think we all have a role to play. It's a difficult conversation always. And it's a role to play. We as educators, media, we all have the role to play to say there is another possibility. There is another way to live our lives. And I think you are right. How you connect with the Joe 
Jackson or whatever, right? How do you connect it, a person that, you know, over the years, 20 years ago, I talk about growth and I say growth is no good. You know, we cannot, and GDP and many other scholars have been talking about that, right? how we measure progress and all that. And, but things are changing. I can tell you this, I'm very positive. Things are changing. Uh, people are kind of realizing they are not happy with their lives. I don't know if COVID have been an impact, have an impact on people about interdependence, the sense of community and so on. But I think that we always have to start for where the person is, right? Um, even in my classes, I remember I used to be strong and then I start slowly and say, well, what about this? What about the other? And And then, you know, I always think if at least I change the mind of two students, I'm happy. And they get committed and they start looking and they start thinking differently. You are right. The whole system is it's like a iron cage, right? We are in a in a jacket, in a straight jacket, just thinking one way. But I think this is the conversations. And I'm so glad that this colloquium, you know, with the celebration of the business college is about common good. And I have colleagues and others that have come and talk about not only just saying, we are celebrating business as usual and it's win-win and all this corporate social responsibility and all these issues about, okay, uh, doing well by doing good, you know? No, we are talking about there is problems and we just have to find ways and there are ways and there are communities and there's lots of experimentation and and we can imagine a different way uh, a different, you know, there is the famous Tina, there is no alternative. And many of us are saying there are thousands of alternatives, Tata, and they are. Every community has. And I'm delighted. I'm, tomorrow we'll be visiting some communities here and see every place have lots of spaces for hope. So let's support them. Let's celebrate them. Let's have the politicians understand what they are doing and encourage them with good policies. Doctor, thank you so much for your work. Thank you for being here in Rhode Island, and thank you for making time to uh, join us on Bartholomew Town today. Bill, thank you so much for the work you do from your side with the media and bringing different realities into many people. So thank you for doing that work, and thank you for interviewing me. So thank you. A real pleasure, a real pleasure. Bartholomew Town is presented in part by the University of Rhode Island Online, who offer a wide array of programs. Learn more at uri.edu online.